It's time for faith and life to connect. I first go before God, working on who and what I am before Him and what He's calling me to be as a husband. Where our Christian walk meets our day-to-day life. Dealing with that baggage can mean anything from delaying the marriage to dealing with the baggage. For sure. And where it's okay to laugh a little. Meaningless days, I look at. <laughs> I'm looking at meaningless days and live happily with the woman you love, and I'm trying to figure out how they wind up in the same set. <laughs> We're not saying that the marriage is meaningless. Heaven forbid we say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. This is The Session with Tom Russell from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. What triggers your potential spouse? And that you guys both agree, yeah, they are triggers, and it is, as we grow, something we have to work through. But we're going to give you sort of the grace and space to do that. Good morning. It is time for Faith and Life to connect here on The Session on Rise FM and on the podcast network at risefmohio.com. I'm Scott here with Tom from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. And today is it's going to be a rather unique show, I think, Tom. Definitely. For us, yeah, unique. We, I know, right? <laughs> We're going to be talking about the importance of putting prayer back in school. We're going to do this two ways. I, I think the way this is going to work out, because of the nature of a non-commercial radio ministry that Rise FM is, we are not allowed to express political opinions uh-huh. as such. I can tell you that Tom and I have some very definite opinions on this matter for sure (laughs) so rather than endanger our station license and mark uh, is very happy that i'm doing this (laughs) we're going to share with you the facts of what we're going to share here on the session right we're also going to have a bonus session of the session that's yeah that's right yeah and that's going to be on the podcast network as well at risefmohio.com so you can see what we really think that's right we've been praying (laughs) about this a lot scott (laughs) And yeah, so that's how that's going to roll today. And we'll remind you about that. And I'll, uh, you know, at the end of our time together. But before we dive into the importance of prayer in schools, Tom, we dive into God's word. That's true. You think you can handle this verse? (laughs) Yeah, I memorized this. I've really been working on my ability to memorize, Scott. Yeah, Paul said it in in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray continually. There, I did it. I memorized it celebrates it see and i memorized the the english standard version pray without ceasing yes there you go yeah yeah yours was three words that's right the math checks out (laughs) (laughs) all right now let's talk let's break that down for a minute though tom yeah all right pray without ceasing so does that mean we're always walking around heads bowed eyes closed hands clasped in front of us in this constant state of you know um <laughs> kind of thing yeah it's a little bit dangerous when you're driving doing that I, that's what i was going to ask <laughs> but no more so it's like a state of mind it's a, a filter in which we filter life through we process based on praying and and spending time reacting coping with life managing life through prayer and just calling upon the Lord. He's, he's there. He's part of us. He's in our spirit. He's part of us. So to be praying is really a good thing. So it's, Especially if you're driving. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, a couple of folks on the way here. Yeah. <laughs> Lord, right. I want to pray for that, that, that person yeah. uh, that doesn't seem to know the difference between their steering wheel and their cell phone. Uh, he says, <laughs> Yes, I, I was asking the Lord for patience with a couple of them. <laughs> yep. So, all right. Yeah. So 
we're going to talk about the importance of prayer in schools specifically today. And there have been a number of court cases that have come up in the news. I want to highlight those, but I want to take us back in time and actually find out what the founding fathers said about prayer. Right. And I think if we take an honest look at this and we see how our nation was built, we might take a different attitude about prayer, not only in schools, but in the government. I think that in itself, we're talking about a little picture that's really a huge picture when we think about our country. How many people are in decision-making positions, shall we say, uh, politically correct in Washington, (laughs) D.C.? There's probably a couple other names, but we'll stick with it. That's right. Yeah. And, And so with that in mind, they've had no idea of what you just said. They have no appreciation for what our founding fathers did. How many of them don't even know what those those kind of sentiments were from them? Or really even care. Yeah. Yeah. Quite honestly. And so how does that impact the future of our country when they don't really care? They have to. Right. Because our nation was founded on the idea of freedom in God. Yes. That's why they originally came was for freedom of worship. They didn't want to join the Church of England. For sure. You know, yeah. so they came here seeking freedom of religion and now our government seems at times to want to take it away. This It's true. And instead of God, it's human rights. How sad that is, that that's the trump card. That's the bottom line. Everybody has to have their human rights so they, they can do whatever flips their lid or whatever lights their fire, or floats their boat, whatever you want to say. <laughs> Go ahead. You're on a roll there. Keep going. <laughs> All right, so let's. uh, One thing I would like to get from you from time to time today, Tom, is you know, we're going to be talking about things factually, but I want to make sure we bring in the psychological impact of prayer on our kids. You know, it has been said that um, they, they may have banned prayer in public schools. But there is prayer in school every time a test is handed out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I can remember praying over some tests when I was uh, in school. Yeah. And, you know, if I'd have studied, it probably helped those prayers get answered a lot better. <laughs> but. Oh, I didn't realize that was part of that. Oh, boy. So this really all came to, to a head in 1962 in a uh, case of Engel versus Vital, where the Supreme Court held that the Establishment Clause of the Constitution prohibits the recitation of a school-sponsored prayer in public schools. And, of course, since then, it has been stretched out of context to mean no prayer in school. Right. Well, no. The Freedom Forum Institute said this, though. Students are free to pray alone or in groups as long as such prayers are not disruptive and do not infringe upon the rights of others. But this right to engage in voluntary prayer does not include the right to have a captive audience listen or to compel other students to participate. And I think the compel may be the big word there. Yeah, Uh uh-huh. And I guess that's why no prayer in graduation speeches. Yeah. No Bible mention in graduation speeches, no mention of Jesus in Christmas plays mm-hmm. at schools and that kind of thing, I, I guess. Yeah. And it seems like the other comment they make is what the Supreme Court has repeatedly struck down are state-sponsored or state-organized prayers in public schools. And that, that was kind of the thing I always heard was as long as it's student 
led, right. student organized, it was okay. Right. And the problem is with a school group, you have to have a faculty advisor. Yeah. So that to me was always kind of a gray area. I guess as long as the advisor wasn't leading it, would that be a proper use of that? Yeah, you know, and that's probably that gray area where people would attack it as well. Right. That were opponents of it. Now, the Supreme Court also has made clear that prayers organized or sponsored by a public school, even when delivered by a student, violate the First Amendment, whether in a classroom, over the public address system, at a graduation exercise, or even at a high school football game. Isn't that part of our human rights or our rights? I thought it was my right. Yeah, the constitutional rights. First Amendment. Shouldn't that count for those who want to have prayer as part of their day? I, I, I thought I had a right to express my religion just like everybody else does. Call me crazy. Oh, and there we go, back to our founding fathers. Right. How many of them died for you to have that right? And now it seems like the government wants to take it away. All right, so now let's move, Tom, to uh, something here from Heritage Foundation, uh, an article by Sarah Parshall Perry. And this is one of those court cases that's a more recent event here in our schools where Coach Joe Kennedy was fired for a tradition he started back in 2008 where at the end of his football games, he was the coach of a football team, he went out to midfield, knelt, and silently prayed by himself. He didn't bring students with him. He didn't get a microphone. He just went out to midfield and knelt and prayed. Yeah, And it escalated and escalated until he was fired. It wound up to the Supreme Court, and the court has now handed Coach Kennedy a victory in saying that his First Amendment right was violated by the Bremerton School District in the state of Washington by firing Kennedy for his personal quiet postgame prayers. Now, the significance here for the Heritage Foundation is is it's not just because it reinforces First Amendment protections guaranteed to government employees, but because it strengthens our nation's increasingly shaky commitment to what they call pluralism, having diverse religious views or no religious view at all, and coexisting in our school systems. And there's that's another one that I wonder about. They don't like Christians praying in school anywhere, but it seems like a lot of other kinds of prayers from a lot of other organizations are permitted. Yeah, it sounds rather hypocritical to me. Yeah, I don't know how you can constitutionally have the two side by side. Right. You can't, but you can. And isn't that the very definition of discrimination? I think you nailed it right there. I think it is. Maybe it's just me. So here's another uh, something that's coming up in schools. and I Around the area here, I can't say that I know any of these are in place here. We turn the page to take a look at chief diversity officers or CDOs. They typically are on college campuses, but we're seeing them more and more in the K-12 schools. These CDOs, these chief diversity officers' job, are basically to spread a leftist agenda yes. of political correctness and don't don't use masculine and feminine there is no mom and dad there's just birthing parents and all this kind of fiddle faddle uh, <laughs> but it seems like the bigger the school district the bigger the city the more prevalent the chief diversity officer is uh, but they are expanding into the more rural districts now they're hired to help close student achievement gaps but really what they seem to be advocating for really is more a separation of whites from everybody else 
and that's that's again another observation from the Heritage Foundation. And I at times I just don't get it. I think COVID may change a lot of this. How so? Because with COVID came parents looking over their kids' shoulders while they were opening their laptops to do their home their study at home. When the schools were closed and parents started seeing what was taught being taught to their kids, and we've seen that in in Virginia in particular, I think it's Loudoun County, where things absolutely erupted with mm. the school board and parents, mm-hmm. um, and it propelled. Many think uh, the governor was elected in Virginia was because of that blow up of prayer in school or what was being taught in the curriculum. Right. And I think as more and more parents are exposed to what their kids are being taught, they may stand up against this and say, nope, right, not my kid. Well, a good example of that locally in a neighboring county, the whole library board was going to have seven-year-olds studying alternative lifestyle intimacy. Nice, nice phrasing. Yeah. (laughs) And parents were in an uproar about it. And they held their ground. The the library board held their ground. What is this world coming? Even in healthy situations, you don't want a seven-year-old understanding what parents understand and husband and wife understands. uh, How could they? Exactly. I mean, you know that just from the, you know, in in your counseling setting, how can a seven-year-old understand those kind of things that it's hard enough for adults to understand? Exactly. And, and so that, well, how, how do you, what do we do, you know? As Christians, how do we, what is the way we should handle that when, when we find and we will find them? I mean, right. we'll find those cases. Not that we need to go looking for it. It's right here in front of us every day. As Christians, what's really the appropriate way for us to handle this and stay true to God's Word? I think, for one, when we talk about we are under, uh, as Christians, persecution. You, you hear about these stories in third world countries where the missionaries were, were killed and they were under constant threat. Well, you know what? That's that's the thing we want to encourage our Christian body to rise up and let's defend God's word. Well, you know that's easy on this side of the microphone to say, you know what? And I and I have my cushy life and you have your cushy life, but to be out there and taking a stand for these issues like that library board was trying to push. Yeah. We've got to stay strong there and support God's word. And he never promised us it would be a walk in the park. Never promised us a rose garden, to quote a song from the 60s. <laughs> You're right, yeah. <laughs> Today on the session, you can tell we're, we're talking about prayer in school and prayer in society in general. I want to turn it now and focus on our founding fathers, and, and let's look back at what they had to say about God and love and prayer and see if we can draw some conclusions from what they said about what we can do today or what we should be doing today. So let's start with George Washington on God and love. I now make it my earnest prayer, Washington wrote, that God would have you and the state over which you preside in his holy protection, that he would incline the hearts of the citizens to cultivate a spirit of subordination and obedience to the government, to entertain a brotherly affection and love for one another for their fellow citizens of the United States at large. That was right. Washington sharing with the governors of the new United States. 
So Washington is, is speaking about, yeah, the governors of the United States. He encourages people through God to show love and obedience and to entertain a brotherly affection. When, when I was thinking about that, Scott, how loving, how obedient, and how much brotherhood affection was taking place when all this was being sorted out about the vaccination, getting vaccinated, how much of that was going on when we were talking about the the election and those who want to say, well, there was no hokey pokey funny business going on. And there were others who were saying, oh, yeah, there were. There's a billboard that I drive by when I go to Bell Fountain to the Rise FM offices uh-huh. and have my meetings. There's a billboard that's still up there. The audits prove it. Trump won. Wow. And it's been up there since 2020. Wow. <laughs> How about that? You know what? I think, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how you really feel, Tom. <laughs> Tom, I hate it when you hold back like that. Would you just please express your opinion? <laughs> All right. So let's take in Thomas Jefferson here. Now, yeah. I thought this was interesting because I never quite figured Jefferson out. Okay. I never quite got it. But he said this, I hold the precepts of Jesus as delivered by himself to be the most pure, benevolent, and sublime which have ever been preached to man. He's talking about delivered by Jesus. And and don't you think that God had a plan that the United States would be here so that we could glorify him uh, and praise him? And what must he think and feel now as human rights has replaced him? I, I just can't wrap my head around how that is okay. Yeah, what, yeah. What what God really thinks of what we've done. Yeah. So here's John Adams, a prayer for presidents. I pray heaven to bestow the best of blessings on this house and all that shall hereafter inhabit it. And he's talking about uh, the white, what we now know as the White House. Yeah. Then called the President's House, and John Adams was the first to live there, and this was his prayer. He, and then he said, may none but the wise men ever rule under its roof. They prayed over the White House before they occupied it. Wow. You know, I mean, think about that. They prayed over the White House before they went in and, and started living there. When's the last time that that may have happened? Right. What a great question, uh, question you asked. Now, I'm kind of guessing maybe Billy Graham did it a time or two because he was kind of known as a chaplain to presidents over the years. But I'm just wondering when the last time was that a president prayed over the White House. All right, so we're talking about prayer today on the session, and uh, we're, we're digging into our founding fathers now. There's an article called Founding Fathers on Prayer at wallbuilders.com where David Barton was asked, why is it important that we pray for our country and its peoples? First, because God tells us to. Yeah. Because I said so. There we go. Works as a parent. That's right. And God is our father. Why not? Why not? Right. And it is important that we obey him. Second, because God answers prayer. Well, okay. We certainly need that. (laughs) Third, God honors prayer and turns his attention to those who pray. He takes note of people who pray and his ear remains open to them. The very thought of there's a few still righteous here, this scripture that talks about would he save it if there was only so many? Right. Thank heavens, praise the Lord, that there's still a remnant. Yeah, this here. Well, fourth, 
Prayer not only gives God a vehicle by which he can respond and answer prayers, but prayer also changes those who pray. For praying helps us to be God-conscious. And when we are God-conscious as individuals, our behavior is different than if we rarely think about God. I think that's the most frustrating part of the whole National Day of Prayer that we have. There's prayer at times that is on a political platform that it's really nothing more than a ritual because there's no application. There's no importance of it following in some of these political environments. And again, that city I used to hear (laughs) trying to be kind. Why? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I I think President Trump was right when he talked about the swamp. The swamp. Yeah, and that I think part of draining it is returning power to to the people and to a focus on prayer. And you can say what you want about Trump. He did restore some level of faith in the White House. And no wonder he's under such attack. Absolutely. There's some of that persecution. And heaven forbid, he's, he's been a real advocate for what the Founding Fathers, in my opinion, went for I, I think yeah I think I would describe him as an maybe an originalist mm-hmm. when it comes to the the Constitution and its application I, I don't know that Bush was mm-hmm. might have been right Reagan I think Reagan was yeah I think so I was really glad to see Reagan be in there I at the time I was too young to understand it but looking back now yeah I think history may see Reagan as a very influential, important, and good president. And how these presidents can be, um, have a free pass, so to speak, and, and, and protected after they're, they've been president, several of them come in recent mind. Some of the things that they did should have been, if anybody else did, prosecuted. Right. And, it, and why not? So as we continue talking about prayer here as it relates to our founding fathers, I found this little snippet here. About five weeks into the Constitutional Convention of 1787, when they were attempting to draft the U.S. Constitution, their efforts were a signal failure. As things were beginning to break up and delegates returned home to their states, Benjamin Franklin challenged them and called them to prayer. Heaven forbid. He said this is what Franklin, Ben Franklin said this. In this situation of this assembly, groping as it were in the dark to find political truth and scarce able to distinguish it when presented to us. Boy, does that sound familiar. Yeah. How has it happened, sir, that we have not hitherto once thought of humbly applying to the Father of Lights to illuminate our understanding? In the beginning of the contest with Great Britain, when we were sensible of the danger, we had daily prayer in this room for divine protection. Daily prayer with the Continental Congress. Our prayers, sir, were heard, and they were graciously answered. All of us who were engaged in the struggle must have observed frequent instances of a superintending providence in our favor. And have we now forgotten that powerful friend? Or do we imagine we no longer need his assistance? I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. Oh my gosh! And this prayer go—he this goes on. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Franklin openly acknowledges 
prayer worked. America became an independent nation because prayer worked. And so also there is a contrast between using God's strength, relying on his strength. When, when they were threatened by Great Britain and they were praying for protection, they were praying for God's help. So he helps them. And then it's a contrast with, well, let's do it under our own power and look how it happened. They were fighting with each other and they were ready to give up five weeks into trying to figure it out when he goes ahead and again says, I challenge you, why don't we pray about this? Isn't that where we got got here in the first place by? And I can imagine the enemy just loves it when we decide to do it on our own. Yeah. Just see him kind of rubbing his hands together and grinning and going, got him. Yeah. Let's go. After Franklin's comments here, some other delegates chimed in. Alexander Hamilton's a name that we should remember. I mean, the musical about him has made it on Broadway and is, in fact, is showing now in Columbus. Oh. Hamilton. Yeah. Alexander Hamilton is reported to have declared after Franklin's speech, for my own part, I sincerely esteem it a system which without the finger of God never could have been suggested and agreed upon by such a diversity of interests. <laughs> That's a politically That's correct That's a fancy way, way of saying <laughs> he's right. <laughs> yes, it sure is. Yes. Let's yeah. see him put that in the musical. So he took all that arguing and, and <laughs> fighting and called it a diversity of interests. <laughs> That's right. And then James Madison is reported to have said, it is impossible for the man of pious reflection not to perceive it in it, a finger of that almighty hand which has been so frequently and signally extended to our relief in the critical stages of the revolution. <sighs> oh, wow. Boy, aren't you glad we're not speaking in Revolutionary War English anymore? <laughs> no, for, yeah, absolutely. I'm still struggling with today's English. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Benjamin Rush, a signer of the Declaration, who closely monitored the proceedings, agreed and said this, I do not believe that the Constitution was the offspring of inspiration, but I am as perfectly satisfied that the union of the states in its form and adoption is as much the work of a divine providence as any of the miracles recorded in the Old and New Testament were the effects of a divine power. He put the Constitution and the right. founding of this country up on a level with turning water into wine and huh. healing the blind. Wow. Hoy. Incredible stuff, Tom. It, it is, Scott. And so when we think about how does prayer impact a person, when we stop to think about that, what's really amazing is that prayer will, for one, if you looked at, at some research, those who pray, and, and research doesn't really distinguish in my mind much between prayer and worship or uh, church going, those who are doing all three of those are more likely to have better mental health, which means less depression, less anxiety. They tend to have better relationships. They also would have a longer lifespan because they pray. So it has an impact in us. Makes me wonder about my great-grandmother Brenner. Okay, because? Grandma Brenner lived to 101, and she was Amish at the beginning, northern, northern Indiana Amish, if I remember right, and then converted to, I believe she was part of the Assemblies of God. 
Okay. Which I found an interesting what? switch to go <laughs> yeah. from that to that. One extreme to the other. Yeah, it seemed like it. But I I have Grammar Brenner's Bible. Uh, Mom decided to give it to me. And I just wonder, you know, did she get those 101 years in part because of a strong faith? Really? That goes back and covers her entire life. And I can't, you know, just something I, I wonder about. Well, and there's, a, there's reason to think that, along with God's will being that she lived that that long. But yeah, because he also gave us a free will. And in our free will, we can make decisions that are going to not give us a full lifespan. Right. You know, those who have started smoking early in their their lives are facing some serious issues that will threaten their lifespan. Uh, alcohol being another. Um, this poor lifestyle not taking care of yourself, not exercising. You know, all of those play a factor in it. But ultimately, it, you know, what's God's will? And he knows the end from the beginning. And he knew them before we were yeah, anything. Yeah, before we were met together in our mother's womb. I knew you. Yes. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? I guess our, our takeaway today as we wrap up is if the founding fathers counted prayer this important yeah yeah why shouldn't we absolutely now the question is how do we right do we start simple i know you know on rise fm angie starts the morning show with prayer mm-hmm. and she, and if she may actually do a couple of different times where she prays in the morning show we have things um from time to pray little snippets of of why we should be praying and the importance of it. Uh, you will hear things from the presidential prayer team, and they actually uh, have a time of a short prayer for government officials. Mm-hmm. And they've done that through multiple administrations. Boy, some of them really need it. Yeah. <laughs> you have the National Day of Prayer that we talk about mm-hmm. and we participate in. Right. How can we encourage our kids? Let's cycle it back to we started with prayer in school and the challenges that our kids face. You know, how can we encourage our children Right. to pray in school. That becomes a really important question. And part of that ends up in the whole parenting uh, picture too, the decision-making process of when we allow them to be influenced by outside of the family influences, TikTok. Instagram, so, Facebook, yeah. and all yeah, all, all those, those social medias that can be so, de- so devastating. I got an alert on my phone the other day from one of them and it was somebody I knew and I clicked on it and I saw what was in that and I'm thinking is it possible to get rid of this on my phone I, I, I really wanted to right but my point is that when we talk about the impressionable ages of, of our children there's statistically I think in research a, a window of opportunity for our children to come to know the Lord in a very, very real and powerful way I want to say it's somewhere in the neighborhood of like ages maybe 7 to 12, somewhere in there. Is the, And after you pass that window, the probabilities start to go down. Well, for one, they start to hit teen life. And remember, it's not as much peer pressure as it is peer priority. What is their peer's priority? And that's what they tend to follow. Mom and dad can teach. So I really think it has a lot to do with what kind of environment and what decision-making are we doing that gets us started. So what do we do about the children who have already been exposed to social media and 
they're thinking their peers are part of it and I'm not going to be able to socialize with them. I'm not going to have the relationship. It gets a little more dicey then. But still, I think those authorities out there would say there has to be victory there somehow. That we, sh- we teach our young people that this is not right. And that, that what our founding fathers, why not share, share this with them? Shouldn't our children be aware of what how our country was founded and not some watered-down agenda that talks about how Thanksgiving is just another Western European holiday? What? What really was Thanksgiving and the pilgrims? It was a celebration with the Indians. And they should understand that. But the thing of it is that it's been changed, and there's so much uh, curriculum out there that is absolutely 180 degrees opposite of what our founding fathers envisioned and paid with their life to get to. Get to. Yeah. I, and I think that's why you're seeing the explosion of Christian schools and private schools. Yeah. Parents are now seeing what's being taught in public schools and going, nope, uh-uh. Right. If this is what you're going to insist on, I'll take the voucher and put my kid here. Well, and so that's probably one of the other reasons why Mansfield Christian's attendance is up. Uh, there are over 700 on this campus right now, pre-K to 12. And when I first got here 11 years ago, it was about 600. Wow. And it got down as low as 500. Uh-huh. And when COVID hit, it went up. Mm-hmm. And it's going to continue to go up. Yeah. And I think that's one reason why. I think parents have seen now what their kids are being taught and how the public schools are handling it. We're seeing the same thing, I think, in other Christian schools around the area. Whether you're at Calvary Christian in Bell Fountain or you're at Mansfield Christian or you're at Worcester Christian, you know, those schools are growing because parents are fed up now with the education system. Yeah. Where do we go as we wrap this up, Tom? This is not always an easy topic for parents to deal with in their children. And maybe as parents are listening to this and they're thinking, you know what, you're right. I really should be doing more to pray for my child. Right. You know, just like our, our verse of the of this show, First Thessalonians 5.17, to pray without ceasing, or as you said, pray constantly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, maybe if there are some families that that's not happening and the idea of how to start that. How do I get my family right again? You know, it could be that, you know, settling down with a Christian counselor and and having a conversation can be a good idea to help get that back. That's true. And to look at the picture of how the family can do that, to begin to look at prayer. How about influencing them with sound biblical things that that likely would come out of a place like Focus on the Family and, and some of their resources they have for children? Great opportunities. Yeah. yeah, great tools for parents to check out yeah. and be able to then maybe share those with their kids. It could be as simple as a starting point would be to listen to Adventures in Odyssey yeah. on Saturday morning at 8 o'clock on Rise FM. Yeah, as a family. The le- yeah. yeah, the lessons that come out of Adventures in Odyssey, even though it gets kind of, you know, Eugene's kind of quirky and <laughs> Connie is still trying to figure things out and all that kind of stuff, the very things that families are dealing with they're talking about on on odyssey so yeah. it could be that that might be a way to start yeah but if somebody wants to start a conversation with tom how do they do that well i can be reached at heritage christian counseling ministries.com 